From our studio in San Francisco's The Civic Kitchen, this is Salt and Spine. What makes um, this book stimulating is the fact that you can open it at any page and find something to eat, something to read, something to cook, and something that you were not looking for. Hi, you're listening to Salt and Spine, stories behind cookbooks. I'm Brian Hogan-Stewart. Now, you just heard from Francois-Régis Gaudry. Think for a moment. If you crammed everything you could about the foods, flavors, traditions, history, and culinary notables about France into just one volume, what would it look like? Well, chances are it might look something like Let's Eat France, the new cookbook by author, journalist, and radio host Francois-Régis Gaudry, which was released this fall. Now, calling Francois's work a cookbook isn't a fully accurate description. It's really so much more. It's filled with over 1,200 specialty foods, more than 375 recipes, and covers 350 French food topics and 260 culinary icons. It's a cookbook, of course, but it's also really an encyclopedia of a big, big part of French culture, the food. Now, Francois joined me at San Francisco's The Civic Kitchen to discuss food's place in French history and culture, what recipe he didn't include, maybe you could guess, and his own teeming cookbook collection. Plus, we talked today with Paula Forbes, editor of the Stained Page News, about other cookbooks and encyclopedic food works that echo Let's Eat France's fun, factual flavor. Let's head now to our studio at San Francisco's The Civic Kitchen, where we joined Francois to talk cookbooks. Hi, Francois. Thanks so much for joining us on Salt and Spine. Thank you very much. I'm very excited to be with you today. Yes, and we're here to talk about your cookbook, uh, Let's Eat France. And wow, this is a really stunning, beautiful cookbook. I thought maybe I would ask you first to tell us a little bit about your cookbook and what makes it so unique and why I'm just so stunned visually with it. Well, I uh, decided to write it uh, three years ago. And uh, you know, in France, there's a great tradition of food writing, uh, very huge uh, food literature with very renowned authors like uh, Grimaud de la Reynière, Antonin Carême, Auguste Escoffier, Bria Savarin, and so on. Right. They are very famous, and I didn't want to compete with them. I wanted to make something different, something uh, very um, like a visually appealing object uh, that was uh, very important for me to make something like a kind of encyclopedia, but not too intimidating, not too serious, uh, not presented with a linear uh, frame or an alphabetic uh, order from A to Z. I wanted to make something really different. Yeah, and it it really is encyclopedic. I mean, it's it, even the book itself, it weighs six pounds. So that was really intentional for you, thinking about just making it jump in at any point and dive into the information? You know, I wanted to, to offer or to present a very wide array of French recipes, tour de main, um, fun facts, historical anecdotes. And, but I, I, I didn't want to present them uh, in a too strict uh, frame. And uh, I think that the, the, the fact that there's a kind of uh, random order, even if you have a very precise index at the end of the book, if you want to look at a um, precise recipe that you're looking for, like uh, the best recipe of pot au feu, which is my mother's one. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have a very 
um, long list of keywords and you can reach this uh, recipe uh, directly. But what makes this book stimulating is the fact that you can open it at any page and find something to eat, something to read, something to cook, and something that you were not looking for. It's a kind of, uh, you know, serendipity. Uh, so one page you can find, for example, the portrait of Julia Child, the very famous American chef who promoted right. French cuisine in the United States. But yes. uh, page after you can find, for example... Uh, all the diversity of mushrooms that you can pick up in the forests of France. But you can also find, for example, the best recipe of ratatouille and uh, at another page. This is the, the way we can use this book. And it does have 200, close to 200 recipes. So it is a cookbook. You can, you know, turn to any page and actually make a recipe, as you noted. How long did this book take you to make? That was a two-year collective adventure. I brought together a bunch of experts uh, from many, many, many uh, backgrounds, you right. know, um, because, you know, I'm, uh, I've been hosting uh, On Va Déguster, which is a very famous uh, radio show on France Inter, the yes. French public radio. And then I invited for eight seasons a lot of experts from many, many fields, uh, like chefs, uh, pastry chefs, uh, food artisans, geographers, writers, philosophers, historians, um, scientists, linguists, and then it came natural for me to ask them to uh, write about what they know and to give me a little bit of their knowledge, of their savoir. And uh, I think that uh, what makes this book solid, reliable, credible, is the fact that uh, it is uh, it was written by many, many different uh, persons. Yeah, lots of different contributors, people, you know, who also contributed graphics and comics and so many different elements that we see in this book. Um, but it really sort of, a lot of it came together because of the interactions that you had through your radio show then. Right. And because the relationships I, you built. Exactly. I built a, a big network of yeah. experts. And uh, so I had the opportunity to uh, ask them and they, of course, all accept. And there's another ambition is to consider um, French cuisine, not also like, you know, techniques, recipes, a list of ingredients, proportions, gestures. I think that, uh, you know, cuisine, the French one, but all the cuisines in the world are uh, world cultures. And uh, it uh, was uh, very important for me to have... Uh, a very, very um, eclectic and multifaceted uh, look on, on, on French food, you know. There's um, a chef that I admire in France, um, Alain Chapelle, who had a three Michelin star restaurant in the north of Lyon. He's uh, very famous in France and he was one of the heroes of La Nouvelle Cuisine, the famous movement in the 70s right. uh, that broke the rules and the codes of the classical French cuisine. And he wrote a very famous um, bestseller um, whose title was La Cuisine, c'est beaucoup plus que des recettes. It means cuisine, it's much more than recipes. It's culture. Yeah. 
And I think that's so true of France and of French people that there's this reverence for food and a celebration of food and the culture and customs around cuisine. How did you work to make sure that you're capturing that so well in this book, which is, I think, you know, written for a global audience so people in the States and elsewhere can pick this up and really understand the role that food plays in French culture. Yes, uh, food in France is a very, very huge passion. It's uh, very important. You know, we used to say that when you are at table to share a meal with your family or with your friends or your enemies, right. <laughs> uh, you you usually talk about what you eat the day before, what are you eating and when you're going to eat the day after. It's something, you know, very, very important because food is everywhere. Even if sometimes French people um, consider food for granted and even if uh, they have to keep a very close eye on the way they buy the good products, the way they cook it, the way they, uh, the way, the, the way they choose it and they buy it, uh, the way they choose them and they buy them. But mm. food is the very serious thing in, uh, in France is the, 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 the big issue. And, uh, it's, uh, rooted in our history. There are several reasons, uh, which, uh, make, uh, the, the food very important in France. First, you know that French food is deeply rooted in our history. Um, and, uh, it began with the Roman civilization that colonized France very, very many centuries before the birth of uh, Jesus Christ. You know that uh, Jules César and the Roman civilization brought in France viticulture, charcuterie, a lot of traditional uh, techniques, savoir-faire, right. recipes. Yeah. Then food is also very uh, important in France because of the richness of our terroir. You know, in such a small territory as France, which is 17 times smaller than the United States, it concentrates a very huge diversity of foods, cultivations, products, climates, uh, coasts, mountains, topography, uh, quality of soils. And uh, of course, it uh, made France like um, the land of plenty, you see. Uh, your influence from food started at a very early age, right? I think you've you've talked about your father used to carry a Michelin guide in the glove box of the car, right? And That's right. Occasionally make a spontaneous stop to go to a restaurant. And you say your mother um, was a brilliant cook. When did you sort of think that food would become the career path for you? You know, I studied the uh, political sciences in Paris and, uh, I wanted to be uh, a journalist. And then I began my career in L'Express, which is one of the mainly, um, weekly magazines in France, right. the French equivalent of uh, Time on Newsweek. And, uh, at the beginning of my journalist career, uh, I wrote about economics, politics, and uh, so on. And then I had a very, very um, important opportunity for me, which was the beginning of my food career in 2005. The restaurant section was uh, available and the uh, chef editor of L'Express proposed me to uh, become the food critic of L'Express. And you know that L'Express has a very uh, great tradition of food critique for many decades and of course i accepted right. and then i specialized myself in food were there things you learned in putting this book together that really surprised you 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 just noted you've been a food critic and doing food journalism and you have a radio show you have a tv show for many years now 
but there's so much information in this book, I would be willing to bet that there were things you learned that were really interesting or surprising. You know, when I decided to uh, write a book three years ago, I was looking for the, the topic. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, well, I, uh, I'm French. I was born in France. I grew up in France. I used to eat my mother's recipe, which are French. And then it came very natural for me to approach the French cuisine. But I could imagine at this time all the, 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 the facts, the recipes, the techniques that I'm gonna, that, that, that I, uh, that I would, um, learn. That was for me a very enriching experience. I learned so many things that I didn't know about French food. Right. That was, uh, you know, for me, that was a, a personal, um, very exciting adventure. We could probably do entire interviews on each of these pages because they're all so interesting and so much information. But I want to highlight a few that really um, stood out to me as sort of, I think, emblematic of French cuisine across the globe. Um, so obviously we have frites which are known as French fries in much of the world. And you talk about the history of frites and whether they were actually invented in France or in Belgium, and then the culture around frites, and you make an assessment. So the assessment is that frites are not French, right? You're right. There's (laughs) a very big debate in France about it, about the origin of frites that you call French fries. Right. Even if there's um, you know, a story which tells that uh, the French fries are named like this because the uh, American GIs, when they were in Europe at the end of the World War II, uh, were in Belgium, where of course, uh, which was, uh, which is a um, French speaking country. Right. And uh, the GI thought they were in France. So when they eat uh, fried potatoes, like the kind of uh, sticks of, fresh, of uh, fried potatoes, they thought they were in French and they called them French fries. Right. This is a story, I, I don't know if it's completely true, but um, we could say that the origin of uh, the French fries uh, is located in Pont Neuf, which is a very famous uh, bridge over the Seine in Paris. And uh, at the 18th century, some um, women used to sell sticks of fried potatoes. And um, then... One of these women decided to, uh, to, to, to travel in, uh, in, in Brussels and open uh, a kind of uh, shop. What was interesting for me is to, to present all the, uh, all the arguments uh, for uh, the French origin or not. And you break it down sort of by category, right? So the, the taste, the process, the history, the culture around them and, and add up uh, a sum at the end of which which country wins and Belgium wins the rights to, yes, to claiming uh, the freight. And <laughs> these pages were uh, written by an, a Belgian historian settled in the southwest of France. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so he's neutral. Yeah. <laughs> We'll be right back with more of our conversation with Let's Eat France author Francois-Régis Gaudry. 
Although Francois knows a lot about food himself, as he mentioned earlier, he sourced knowledge from many, many experts in order to assemble this beefy tome that is Let's Eat France. So we wondered what other cookbooks out there echo these huge volumes like Francois put together. We turned to Paula Forbes, editor of the Stain Page News and cookbook author herself, to find the answer. Hi, Paula. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Great. Uh, So we just talked with Francois about his book, Let's Eat France. And I'm hoping maybe you have some other books um, that you might want to share with us that are sort of of a similar vein. Yeah. So one of the things I really loved about um, Let's Let's Eat France is that it takes this very um, outside the box, almost magazine-y approach to covering a topic very in-depth, very intensely. So this is more rare than you would think in the cookbook world, or maybe, I don't know, maybe you are not surprised by this, but um, there are a few books out there that really just play with the the format of cookbooks. The first one I want to talk about um, is by UK food writer Tim Hayward called The DIY Cook. And what Tim does is he looks at a bunch of different classic dishes. Um, We're talking about things like steak Diane to bouillabaisse to banh mi. And he goes into each element of the dish um, and teaches you how to make it from scratch. So with the banh mi, we're talking about the bread, we're talking about the pâtés, we're talking about all of the stuff. And that's a way to view the history of each dish. Um, And it also just has like a great sense of humor and like really interesting design and illustrations and such. So that would be my first pick. Um, I think that this is a category you can't talk about without talking about um, Martin Picard at Au Pied de Cochon in Montreal. His books were all self-published. There's two of them. They were self-published. Um, and thus are very rare and hard to find these days, but they're, they're almost art objects, you know, like there's gorgeous photography in them, um, really, really interesting illustrations and these things sort of overlap and play together. Um, it's got a fun sense of humor. And of course, if you're familiar with Picard at all, you know that his food is super over the top and, indulgent and luxurious so so the design sort of mo- mirrors the food the third one is the adventures of cat rice from abraham conlon adrian lowe and hugh Amano, the restaurant cookbook from fat rice in chicago and um they make Macanese food and so the thing that I find interesting about this book is that it's modeled after comic books and it takes this very like monster comic book adventure tone throughout the book and then they use the comic format to show you things like how to fold dumplings properly so it's educational but it's also fun and then one from this season that I wanted to talk about is Chasing the Gator. Isaac Toops is a chef out of New Orleans. And, um, you know, this is this is territory that's been tread before. We're talking about fried oysters. We're talking about stuffed crab. We're talking about, you know, collards and all of these things. But this book is unique and different because he's telling it with this tone um, that is, it's funny and it's adventurous and it takes risks. Um, and then the food itself is taking these things, these classic dishes of um, Cajun cooking and sort of 
having fun with them and updating them. And uh, I think that it's a book a lot of people will get a lot out of. And you're, I think you're right that there aren't a lot of books like these that sort of break the cookbook mold. Do you think there's a reason why uh, people are maybe afraid to break the mold? I think that there are a couple reasons. One is that um, people are afraid to play with the recipe format because what we use works. Um, and, you know, we want to make, as cookbook authors and publishers, people want to make sure that their their cookbooks are followable and that people get what they need out of them. But on the other hand, you know, there's just, there's, that's not what people are necessarily looking for in cookbooks. So you'll find that a lot of these books that do have an opportunity to play with the form and break it and put it back together in interesting ways are chefs who are writing books where they have a little bit more license to show personality than say, 101 cookie recipes for Christmas, you know? Well, it's so awesome to see some books like these breaking the mold. I think they're really fun and really informative and engaging. Uh, So thank you for sharing uh, those with us, Paula. Thanks so much for having me. If you're a regular listener, you know that Salt and Spine is recorded at the Civic Kitchen, the recreational cooking school in San Francisco's Mission District. The Civic Kitchen offers hands-on classes and events for home cooks. Of course, we love the Civic Kitchen's open, airy, and welcoming space. It's perfect for learning different techniques, cuisines, and styles from their expert teachers. And personally, I love the wonderfully curated cookbook wall, which you may see as the backdrop of all Salt and Spine interviews. Now, don't miss upcoming classes on top Topics like quick and easy fall weeknight meals, or mm, this one sounds delicious, Italy by ingredient, truffles and mushrooms. You can find a list of all the Civic Kitchen's classes and sign up at civickitchensf.com. Now back to our conversation with Francois Regis Gaudry. So there's so many other um, pages here we could dive into. I, I loved the the um, bit on sauces and yes. you include a great quote um, of England having two sauces and 300 religions, but France having two religions and 300 sauces. So sauces are very important in French cuisine. Um, so we see things like that. We see pages on cheese. You know, you note that there's over 1,200, 1,200 varieties of cheese in France. Um, the baguette and sort of the history of the shape of the baguette to avoid paying taxes, even a page on onions and the history and types of onions. And you say, what would French cooking be without onions? There's so much here. Was there anything you had to leave out? I tried to make this book, uh, you know, the most uh, comprehensive uh, as possible. But uh, sometimes, you know, I wake up and uh, I wonder myself uh, if I uh, forgot some uh, important uh, recipes. And for example, three days ago, I was in uh, New York mm-hmm. in a French bistro, uh, which was uh, Flora, uh, Latino-French uh, bistro. Okay. And I saw in the dessert list... The creme brulee. <gasps> and you know what? Mm. I forgot the creme brulee in my book. E, yeah. And that was uh, for me like uh, a drama because uh, you, 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 that, that was like a disaster because it's a very famous French uh, recipe, very renowned uh, all around the world. And um, unfortunately, there's no, uh, it's recipe in my book. Yes. 
<laughs> well, instead, maybe we can have the bouche, the bouche de Noël. <laughs> yes. Which... The bouche de Noël, uh, les macarons, the macarons mille yeah. feuilles, yes. le Saint-Honoré, le Paris-Brest, a lot of uh, very famous uh, French pastries cakes. Yes. There's also a lot of cookbooks that are mentioned in your book here. So you, you uh, mentioned one, La Cousine Francois, which was published in 1651. Right. Um, and you, and is called one of the most innovative cookbooks of the 17th century. Um, and then you have a page that sort of highlights some of the most influential cookbooks for French cuisine. Were there cookbooks that inspired you when you were putting this book together or cookbooks that you used for research um, or ideas? Yes, you know, there's a very uh, uh, important uh, tradition of uh, food literature in France with a lot of uh, reference books that uh, everybody uh, uh, have in uh, their uh, library. And what made the French cuisine so, um, you know, so strong and so important is the fact that she was at all the historical periods codified by a lot of food writers for uh, many centuries. Uh, it exists a very, very long tradition uh, of writing about uh, uh, cuisine, recipes, different styles, regional Uh, styles of French cuisine. This is also important because you have, uh, for example, a very, very old books about uh, cuisine de Provence, cuisine du Sud-Ouest, cuisine de Bretagne, cuisine d'Alsace, right. cuisine d'Auvergne, cuisine Lyonnaise. And it's uh, uh, all these books, of course, was for us a um, very important source of uh, documents, recipes. And um, it was very, very natural to mention and to quote them. Yeah. If you could finish this sentence for me, how would you finish it? Um, to me, to you, cookbooks mean what? What do, what do cookbooks symbolize for you? Cookbooks are my, um, my source of inspiration. Um, you know, I live in Paris. I have uh, an apartment close to Pigalle and I have a big living room with many, many, many cookbooks in, yes. uh, in, in my living room. Um, a huge collection of uh, 3,000 um, French cookbooks. Okay. That, you, that are yours, that you own? Yes. Personal? Uh, 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 yeah. And uh, I collect them. I, uh, I, I usually buy uh, vintage uh, food books. Mm. And it's very important when you are a food journalist or a food critic to have... Uh, And these uh, sources are very close to you. Yeah. And I think one thing that's so interesting looking through Let's Eat France is how you use cookbooks, not just for recipes, but for so much about the historical context and to apply information from cuisine of various centuries, you know, all the way back to cookbooks from three, four hundred years ago, writing about French cooking. So that's that's really, I think, a, a, a unique and wonderful way to be using cookbooks to inform your own cookbook. Yeah. Now, we always end with a game. So I want to propose a game to you. Um, and maybe we'll, we'll play this game called Is It French? So we talked about French fries and whether they're French or Belgian and who gets to say they're the frites. But maybe I'll name a couple other French foods and you can tell us the verdict of whether France should be claiming um, ownership of that food or not. 
Okay. Okay, perfect. Um, so a controversial one that has the name French in it, uh, French toast. Is it French? Not really. Yeah. You know, um, nobody in France knows a French toast. We can say pain de mie, or, uh, you know, it's uh, what you call the, the, the scared, uh, white bread that you use to, um, prepare sandwiches in the United States or in England. But in France, you can call it, uh, pain de mie, or you can call it maybe toast when you, uh, grill them. And when you toast them, uh, for the breakfast, for example, and you, 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 you put butter and jam on it, like we call confiture. But the name French toast is, uh, not, uh, not known at all in uh, France. Okay. Um, and the, the American French toast dish, right? Where you're dipping the bread in eggs and frying it. Also not a French food item. Naturally. No. Unfortunately. Okay. How about the French press? The French press for making coffee. Is that French? Uh, well, I think that the French press, uh, was, um, inspired by a traditional French method of extraction of, uh, coffee. Okay. Uh, like, uh, you know, um, uh, which consists in, uh, pushing a press to extract the coffee and, uh, um, we don't call it in France, um, presse française or French press. And we usually, uh, don't use a French press daily to prepare our coffee. We prefer like, uh, uh, what the Italian call, uh, espresso, you know, uh, we sure. have uh, this kind of machine at home, but the French press is not so, uh, usual. Yeah. Okay. How about French onion soup? Is it French? Bernie, yeah. Yes. The French onion soup is so French, you know, it's a tradition. Um, which consists in uh, making a broth with onion and then put some uh, bread and cheese and you can eat so wonderful French onion soups in the bistros close to Leal in the, in the center of Paris. This dish was uh, traditionally eaten by the workers uh, who worked for the Les Halles, you know, which is, which was the very big center market in the center of Paris. Yes. And, uh, in, in the nine, when they finished their work, they used to, uh, eat, uh, this, uh, this soup in, uh, in bistros and brasseries. Um, are you familiar with French dressing, which is, I think, sort of an American dressing? Um, I'm maybe giving away the answer already, but is French dressing French? Not really. No, no. And I don't really know the definition of French dressing, even if, uh, uh, of course, I can find it uh, in many, many cards in the restaurants in the United States. But, right. you know, French dressing, you know, the, the, the classical dressing for a salad in France is vinegar, old wine vinegar mm -hmm. with some oil, mm -hmm. a little dash of moutarde de Dijon, salt and pepper, yeah. and maybe a little bit of garlic. Perfect. <laughs> it's what we, we could call the, the, the classical uh, French dressing yes, for French salads. The true French dressing. All right. Well, thank you so much. Merci beaucoup, Thank you very Francois. much. Merci so beaucoup. Nice J'étais très heureux d'être ici. And that's our show for today. Thanks so much for listening. As always, you can find bonus content from this episode on saltandspine.com, including featured recipes. Plus, you can enter for a chance to win your own copy of Let's Eat France in our weekly cookbook giveaway. If you like our conversations with cookbook authors, and I hope you do, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Plus, don't forget to rate us and leave a review. 
Today's program was produced by Allison Sullivan and myself. Our original theme song was created by Brunch for Lunch. Of course, thanks to Jen Nurse, Chris Bonomo, and the Civic Kitchen Cooking School team, to Celia Sack at Omnivore Books, and this week to Paula Forbes at Stainpage News. We'll be back next week with more stories behind the cookbooks you love. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hey, happy listener. I'm Yardley. And I'm Dan. And I'm Dave. And we are the hosts of the true crime podcast, Small Town Dicks. On our podcast, detectives from small towns all around the world give us their firsthand accounts of the memorable crimes they investigated in their small town. The new season of Small Town Dicks is out now. But if you're new to the podcast and you want to start at the beginning, we have over 125 episodes for you to binge. So please join us for an original take on true crime. Small Town Dicks, available wherever you like to listen. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.